Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We are starting a brand new series today uh, called Unmasking the Enemy. And it is a series about spiritual warfare and if there's a part of you that says, ah, boy, I don't like that subject matter, hang on, everybody. It's, it's good. It's not, there's nothing to be scared about. There's nothing to be nervous about. It's not going to get wacky. We're just going to teach you. We're going to teach you about the goodness of God and about the faithfulness of God and the power of God and that you don't have to live your life scared. You don't have to live your life in fear, but you can live your life in victory. And I want to apologize right off the bat because um, I have a cough drop in my mouth and it just, it, it just, uh, helps me uh, was teaching, and then I, I just taught for about 20 minutes and next steps, and now I'm back here again, and my mouth is just dry. So there you have it. Unmasking the enemy. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to start today, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. These, these verses will be on the screen, Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to tell you uh, before we start that I, 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 I know a lot of you here in this room, you can, you've heard Ephesians chapter 6 so often, you could probably quote it along with me. You know, you might get a few of the words wrong, but you're going to say, yeah, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. And, and yet, how many know that some of the verses that you hear the most often are the verses we need to hear the most often? Everybody see that? Like, that there's a reason, everybody, that we don't quote very many verses out of Leviticus. And you know that that's funny if you've ever read Leviticus, okay? <laughs> because, the, yeah, there's, there's truth in there, and it's the history of, the, 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 the church, I mean, the Israelites and, and, and things like that. But the truth of the matter is we see in the New Testament that these writers are writing not, not just to the early church, but they're writing directly to us. Like the good news is, everybody, we're, we're not going to have to leave this service and take a bull out back and sacrifice him. How many know that's good news? No sacrificing a bull today. Isn't that good news? Okay, how many know Jesus was the sacrifice, the ultimate once-for-all sacrifice for us? You guys know that, right? Okay, so, so, so when we get to these verses of Scripture, these are our, our known Scriptures because they're powerful Scriptures, and they help us live the Christian life in today's world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is where we're going to start through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. You are not meant to be a Christian weakling. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not in your power, not in my power, but in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And here's the key verse for this series. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Your, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not, a, it's not against your neighbor. It's not against your family member. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your children. It's not against your coworkers. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle that you're in. You are in a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests, with prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Now, that, that portion of text is so rich that I could take one verse of it and preach for three weeks, maybe, maybe even five. And, and, and we, could literally, we could literally teach that portion of Scripture the entirety of this coming year. So, so to, to take that and put it into one message is very, very tough to do. And, and yet, there's some, some basics that we need to agree upon before we can go any further in this series called Spiritual Warfare or Unmasking the Enemy, Revealing Who the Enemy Is and what he's all about. So letter A, take notes here. Letter A, write this down. That, that this verse is saying, these verses are saying that this, this world is not a playground. It's actually a battleground. That's what this, this portion of scripture is saying to us. That the world we live in is not a playground. It's actually a battleground. And there are far too many Christians in our nation right now that are taking their walk with God far too lightly. That they're not serious about their walk with Christ. They're not serious about their faith. And they live their lives just to please themselves. And I'm going to tell you that this this world is not a playground. It is a battleground. Now, does God have any issue with us having fun? Not at all. let Let me help you out with something. Who gave you the ability to laugh? Ever thought about that? Do you think the devil gave you the ability to laugh? My, my wife, sometimes, sometimes she laughs so hard, her laughs turn into tears. Does anybody else do that? She'll say, ah, ha, 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 ha. she'll start crying. I'm like, what are you crying about? I'm laughing, you know? Like, like. Does the devil make people laugh? Well, no. Who gave you the ability to laugh? God did that. God did that. He created you, and he put in you the ability to laugh. Why? Because he wants you to laugh. He wants you to enjoy life. Like, God isn't against you saying, hey, boys, you want to go fishing today? He's not against that. He's not against you enjoying life. In fact, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes so that we could have life and life in abundance. Like he wants, did you know, God wants you to enjoy life. But it's easier for you to enjoy life when you know that he is in you and greater is he who's in you than he's who's in the world. He, it's easier to enjoy life, everybody, when you know that the Lord is on your side. It's easier to enjoy life when the Holy Spirit ex- exposes what the enemy is doing and lets you know that, hey, this is the enemy. You got to be aware. You got you to be sober. You got to be vigilant, the Bible says. God wants you to enjoy life, but he also wants you to enjoy life 
with your eyes and your ears open to the schemes of the devil. So is it okay to have fun? Absolutely. Is it okay to get on a boat and go fishing? Absolutely. I got no problem with that. But if you're living your life simply for worldly pleasures and you don't find the highest pleasure in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then something's wrong. Because my highest pleasure is not in stuff. My, my greatest pleasure in life is knowing Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. Amen, everybody? So, so um, I'm, I'm going to expose something else to you then. Let her be, write this down if you're taking notes. Satan, because this is a battleground and not a playground, Satan wants to mold us into his image while the Holy Spirit wants to mold us into the image of Christ. Satan wants to mold you into his image. Okay, let, let me break this down. The Bible says that it is impossible for God to tempt you because there is no evil in God. Like it's impossible for God to put sin in your path, purposely put sin in, in, in your path to tempt you. It's impossible for him to do that. The Bible is very, very clear about that, that Satan tempts us. But Satan is the one that comes and he sneaks in. He's very deceptive and he, he wants to take us off the path of Jesus Christ, the path that Christ has laid out for us. Okay, so every time the devil tempts you, what is he trying to do? He's trying to mold you into his image. Think about it. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as believers and saying, no. No, 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 no. Don't say yes to that. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't, don't say that. Don't think that. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to mold us into the image of Christ. And if you really struggle with that, I want you to read Romans chapter 7. And Paul talks about the battle there. He says, listen, these things that I want to do, sometimes I don't do them. And it drives me nuts. Justin's paraphrase. And then other, other, other things that I don't want to do are the things that I keep doing. And I, I hate it that I keep doing those things. I don't want to do those things. And what he's saying is, hey, we're in this battle, this constant battle, and the devil wants to, you, wants to mold you into his image. But the Holy Spirit wants to mold you into the image of Christ. And you have a choice to make every day of your life. Are you going to be Christ-like or not? Are you going to imitate Christ? Or not. And trust me, those decisions are not made on the playground. They're made on a battleground. Those are battleground questions. Am I going to give in to the will and the call of God and his Holy Spirit? Am I going to be like Christ or am I going to give in to the flesh, give in to sin, and be the person that the devil wants me to be? Well, everybody, that, that's not a playground question. That's a battleground question. So every day that you're tempted to sin, it should be a reminder that this is not a playground. It's a battleground. It's a battleground. But yet you are meant to walk in victory through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. And I'm going to teach you about that. I can't wait to teach you about that. So we have the world is not a playground. It's a battlefield. Satan wants, you, wants to mold you into his image. And then see, many, uh, many underestimate spiritual warfare. 
that as we look at this portion of scripture, there are people, when Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, I think he's saying, hey guys, there's a spiritual battle going on and you're not taking this, this seriously enough because he's writing it out. In fact, he says the word, finally, like in light of everything I just wrote to you in Ephesians chapters one, two, three, four, five, in light of everything that I just taught you about Jesus and about the church, in light of everything I just taught you about the Holy Spirit, in light of all of that stuff, hey, 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 bring, bring it in, guys, bring it in, bring it in. Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. And you need to put on the full armor of God. In fact, everybody, verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God. Guess what he says again in verse 13? Therefore, and when you see a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. To put on the full armor of God. He says it. He says it not once. He says it twice. Two verses apart. How many know Paul's trying to say something? He's saying, hey, you got to realize that this is serious stuff. That there is a battle going on. And he's saying, I want you to be victorious in this battle. New song, can I tell you something? As your pastor, I want you to be victorious in this battle. But I know a lot of you struggle with spiritual warfare. You struggle in the battle. And I know that because sometimes people call with, with something that's happening. Somebody got sick. Somebody got a bad diagnosis. Uh, somebody just lost their job. There, there, there's tur- turmoil in the family. And they, they call me up and they say, Pastor, you got to pray. You got to pray. I, I, need some, I need some prayer right now. And I'm glad to do that. I love doing that. That's what I'm here for. But sometimes I ask, probably under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and say, have you prayed about this yet? No, that's why I'm calling you. Okay, the, the problem with that is the, the Bible tells you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. And so your first, your first call shouldn't be your, your pastor. Your first call should be out to the Lord. You call out to the Lord first. And, and the reason I think people call their pastor before they approach God The reason I think that some people feel their pastor's prayers are more powerful than their prayers is because they've been living their life in the playground and not in the battleground. That that means their life is just filled with fun, with pleasure, and I'm going to get every toy known to man, and and I'm going to focus my life on what feels good and what I like doing, and I'm not really going to pay attention to this this walk that's in Christ, this living by faith. I'm not going to give that much attention. I'm probably not going to do my devotions very often. I'm probably not going to pray very much. And then trouble hits, and because they've been living in sin or making sinful decisions or just unwise decisions, all of a sudden a battle hits, and they feel guilty. Like, God's not going to listen to my prayer, but he'll listen to my pastor, so I'm going to call him a pastor. Well, listen, listen, if you lived your life knowing you were in a battleground instead of a playground, and you got serious in your walk with Christ, then I wouldn't have to tell you, hey, your first, your first prayer should be to God. Your first call should be your calling out to God and, and not to me. You see, you see how that works, everybody? See, I, I know something about me, that when I have been in sin, when I had failed to repent of certain things in my life, it obstructed my prayer life. It hindered my prayer life because I couldn't get past the guilt. Like, like every time I prayed 
instead of calling upon the Lord and his power to, to make a difference, instead of going to him to his throne boldly, like the Bible says I could, I was going to God on my hands and knees and saying, oh, God, I did it again. I repent, Father. I'm such a loser, and you shouldn't even have to help me because I don't deserve it. it what, what power is there in that? Come on, everybody. I'm just asking a solid question here. What power is there in that? There's no power in that. But when you live your life in victory, when you, when you live your life resisting the devil, when you live your life in integrity, when you live your life loving Jesus with all of your heart and being encouraged and strengthening him, and then trouble comes, it's just immediately call upon the Lord because he's my help. He's my strength. Then, then you're not driven by guilt. You're driven by gratefulness in God, knowing that he loves you and he's going to make a victory for you. He's going to come and rescue. He's going to come and deliver you. And guilt keeps you from that type of prayer life. Ooh, that's good stuff. Guilt keeps you from that type of prayer life. And I want you to have a great prayer life. And there's some people here in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit talking to you right now. This is not a playground. This is a battleground. And you need to take your relationship with the Lord serious today. And yeah, maybe go home and fall on your knees and repent. But when you do that, get back up and be the man or the woman of God that you have to be and live your life in victory. Live your life by faith. Well, I can stop right there. Yeah, I can stop So this is my job today. Ephesians 5.11. Ephesians 5.11. Ephesians 5.11. This is what I'm doing today. It says this. It says this. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds darkness and darkness. But rather, but rather, expose them. Expose them. I would be a terrible pastor if I did not expose that there are pastors that are refusing to expose the schemes of the enemy and they are not helping the sheep in their church. They're not helping those shepherds are not helping their flock live strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. One of my jobs as a pastor is to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness, to expose our enemy to you. So that you can know, oh, that's the enemy. And you can know when it's not. See, this is what I've learned to everybody, that many people underestimate, they underestimate spiritual warfare while others overestimate. Let, let me say it like this. There, there are people that are so naive to the attacks of the enemy. They underestimate what's happening in the world, and they just think the world, that, that everything is hunky-dory, and I'm just going to do my part. I'm going to live the life that I want to live. I'm going to live for fun. I'm, and they pay no attention to what the enemy is doing. And all of a sudden, the enemy attacks, and they are caught off guard, and they don't know, what, they don't know Jesus well enough to pray a prayer of faith. And so they start calling everybody else. Those are people who underestimate spiritual warfare. But can I tell you something? As a side note, there are some other people who overestimate it. And I'm just being honest with you. There, there are some people that find the devil in every corner of the house. That, like they, they, they walk into a room and they're just looking for the devil. They're like, like okay, everybody, here, here just is a great example of that. There, there are some people that, that you know, they, they, they come out in their, their car in the morning, they have a flat tire before the, 
Well, that's the devil. The devil gave me a flat tire. Hey, hey, the devil's really been attacking me. I had a flat tire this morning. Could it be that you just drove behind a truck and a nail fell fell out of the back of that truck? Could it be that that, that it wasn't some significant attack of the devil? Could it be that you're just... That there are some people that look for the devil in everything. And can I tell you something? The Bible says that we put our eyes, our focus is on the Lord. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I would encourage you, if that's you, if you're always looking for the devil, stop it. Stop looking for, your eyes are not supposed to be focused on the devil. Your eyes are supposed to be focused on your Savior, the Lord who lives in you, who is greater than the devil. So, so, so in my mind, I walk out to my car and I see a flat tire. I say, well, praise the Lord. That didn't happen on the interstate. God, thank you for blessing me. You know what I'm talking about? Thank you, Lord, that that happened in my driveway. I have the ability to take care of that right now. Hey, come on, everybody. If you're always looking for the devil, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You, you, and there might be only a few of you that that applies to, but you need to listen up if that's you. You need to listen up because, listen, God is my protector. He's my source. My, fo- my eyes are focused on him, and he takes care of me. And, and therefore, I, my, my, my mom and dad raised me this way, that we don't give credit to the devil. We don't live our lives to give credit to the devil. We don't go around, well, the devil did that. The devil did that. The devil, every time you say that, the devil's just, you know, skipping around saying, woohoo, I did, I did, I did. it." You know, don't give credit to the devil. I, I don't even capitalize his name, everybody. I've told you that before. I don't put capital S for Satan. No, it's lowercase. I don't give him any credit. How many know what I'm talking about? All right. So, so God gets all the credit. He gets all of the glory. Don't give the devil glory. Don't, don't do that. And you just continue to live your life blessing God. I hope I'm helping you. I'm exposing the devil. Number one, write this down in, in exposing the devil. The devil's real. He's real. He's real, everybody. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 and 9. It says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. How many know the dragon lost the battle? And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, with all of his angels, make no mistake about it, new song, the devil is real. He is real. He's real. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out. The devil has plans for you, and I promise you they are not good plans. They never have been. They never will be. There's not a party in hell. There's not a lot of laughing in hell. In fact, there's no laughing in hell whatsoever. It's a place of torment. It's real because the devil is real. Because the word of God is real. So that's the first thing that you need to know. You really do have an enemy. It's not a false enemy. It's a real enemy. Number two, the devil is at war with us. He's at war with us. He's at war with you. This is not a playground. It's a battleground. First Peter 5, 8, 9 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. You got to watch out for him. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your what? Strong in your faith. you got to be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Like, it's not just you. Well, I'm being attacked by the devil. Well, aren't we all? Come on. Aren't we all? In fact, brothers and sisters around the whole world are suffering. They're being attacked by the enemy. Why? Because he's real. 
And because he is at war with us, he's out to take you down and every other person in this world. And every time that you're attacked by the devil, it should, it should remind you that there are sufferings around the world and we should be praying for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who are enduring sufferings as well. And by the way, can I tell you something? At this point, the church in America hasn't received nearly the persecution, the suffering that other believers have around the world. But, but, but I, I see some things at work in our nation. And you can go back and listen to the last week's sermon if you want to hear more about that. Number three, the devil is controlling this world. The devil is controlling this world. You say, and, and I know there's some of you here in this room, like you're, you're singing the songs, God is in control. Yeah, he's in control of me. And he's in control of his church. But God is not in control of this world. Did you know that? And I can prove it to you. In fact, this, this kind of gets a little messed up. People sometimes think, well, God is in control. God is not in control of this world. Adam and Eve handed over the keys of this world to the devil in the garden 6,000 years ago. And, and the devil's been in control. And watch this. This is what the Bible says. I have a couple of verses just to prove this point. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God. Let me say it this way. We know that God's in control of us. We know that we're children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Is God in control? How, how many Christians do we have in the room? Raise your hand really high. Okay, God's in control of you. He's in control of this church, but is he in control of the world? No. 1 John 5, 19 says, no, everything around us in the world is under control of our enemy, the devil. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who is the God, little g, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And they don't understand it because the devil is the God, little g, of this world. He's in control of this world, and he's in control of people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, have not trusted in Christ. So is God in control? Yes, of me and of you and of his church and of every believer, but he's not in control of this world that we are living in a world that is fallen and it's filled with sin and it's filled with darkness and it's not a playground, it's a battleground. Now, now, now here, here's the good one though. If you're taking notes, you have three bad ones, but this is a really good one. So you might want to go all caps for this one, everybody. Number four, the devil is subject to our God. And I'm just, I'm just exposing who the devil is, but I'm also exposing who God is and what we find in the word that the devil is subject to our God. So I don't have to be scared of the devil. I don't have to be. Why? This is what scripture tells us. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God, and you've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So the one living in me is greater than the one who is controlling the world. So, so, so I've heard it said this way, everybody, that the devil is a coward. You're like, oh, you better watch your word. Hey, the Bible is so very, very clear. In fact, James 4, 7, he says, you submit yourselves to God and you resist the devil and he flees. So when the devil sees Christ in you and you rise up as a man or a woman of faith and you reject the devil, 
then he must flee, the Bible says. Why? Because he's scared. He's a coward. Now, he's not afraid of you, but he's afraid of God in you. He's afraid of his son in you. He's afraid of the Holy Spirit living in you. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, so yeah, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's not our works. It's not our power. It's Christ in us. And the devil is scared of Jesus, everybody. He's scared of the Holy Spirit. He's scared of his heavenly father, uh, of the heavenly father, because he knows what's coming to him. He knows he rejected God. He knows that he rose up in pride against God and God cast him out. And he knows that he has eternal torment awaiting him. And he's scared to death of that, but he's going to try to bring as many people there as possible with him. Well, we don't have to go. We don't have to go in that direction. No, we are people of faith. We are children of God. We belong to the light. We are not in the darkness any longer. The darkness has no power over us. Ooh, that's good news. So I don't have to walk in fear. Why? Because God's in me. Because God is the light of my life. He's the hope. He's the anchor of my soul. I don't have to be, a, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be scared. Can I, can I tell you something? That there are some things that I understand and some other things that I don't understand about just about living the Christian life. I, I don't have it all figured out. I really don't. But I, I can tell you about the greatness of God. I, I can tell you there, there have been some unexplainable events in my life, unexplainable, that I should not be alive right now. And how they happened and how God rescued me, I know he did but they are unexplainable. I just know that greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. That the devil put out their destruction in my life, tried to take my life multiple times, and it never happened because God is in control of me. It, because I have praying parents that protected, that, that, that put, a, as we see in, in the book of Job, a hedge of protection around me through the spirit of God, and God just supernaturally protected me, and I don't understand it, but I'm telling you, everybody, it's by the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the power of God that I'm alive even to this day. Can I tell you some stories? I got a few. Well, first of all, I'll let my mom uh, tell you a story about what, you know, about when I was born and some, some big complications that, that I won't go into right now, but that's a miracle in itself. But just some things that I remember. I, I, I was assistant manager at, at a pizza place called Simple Simon's Pizza in prior Oklahoma. And, um, and I, w- I would go to work from f- at five, usually five to 1030. We would close down at 10, usually by 1030, we'd be out of there. And, you know, a teenager had a, had a, f- a fast car, had a Camaro and, and, I, and we lived nine miles out in the country. You know, how, how many know that teenagers can be stupid at times? You know that, right? And so, uh, how many of you were teenagers? Okay. You were stupid too. We all were. And I had a fast car. And so at nighttime, I was just, I was just barreling down these roads, just trying to get home as fast as I possibly could every single night. I would take the same route home. And, and again, it was nine miles out in the country. There weren't a lot of houses out there. And one night it was late. It's probably more cl- closer to 11. And I'm just, I'm just zooming down this road, totally speeding everybody. I was sinning against God. That's what I was doing because I was going so fast. And all of a sudden in the middle of the road, there's this, this huge pile of dirt 
right in the middle of the road. And, and I see it at the last minute, and I slam my brakes, and, and I kind of fishtail around it. And I, make, and I, was, I was shaking. It came out of nowhere. It wasn't there when I went to work. I took that same road to work. It wasn't there when I went to work, but it was there at 11 o'clock at night. And I was so startled by it that, that I, I told my dad, I woke my dad up that night. I said, Dad, I just had the weirdest thing. I almost died. Because literally, I was going so fast. There's a big irrigation ditch. Uh, right off to the side of the road, and I don't know how I didn't wreck. I don't know how I didn't, but but somehow it wasn't my great driving. Because I remember I was a teenager, right? So it wasn't obviously. How many know teenagers? They're not known for great driving. Okay, so it wasn't my driving. Everybody, it was the grace of God. I was so startled that the next morning, I said, "Dad, just come out and see it with me." I don't I don't know why it's there. I it's Dad, you just got to go. And my dad saw that I was so startled that he said, "Okay, let's go." And, and we drove there the very next morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. Unexplainable. And you say, well, that's just weird. I know, right? I, I'm confessing that. It's just weird. I don't know. It was there. I almost died. And then the next morning, it wasn't there. And my, my dad said, it looks to me like the devil was out to get you. Ooh. Well, I don't like that. I mean, nobody would, right? I remember times, you know, sometimes it's stuff like that that, that just comes out of nowhere and it's not our fault. But there, uh, how, but, but there are other times when we're just stupid, right? There's just other times that we're just stupid. So, so one of the guys that went to our church, he had a Honda 250, a, a dirt bike. And, and he, me and my brother and my cousin went there to go ride his dirt bike. And we were in the pasture. It was a lot of cattle around there. And in the pasture, it was all barbed wire fences surrounding. And he said, hey, just go out in the pasture. You can ride it. Well, we decided how to see how fast we could get from fence to fence, you know, from one side to the other. Well, I was bound to determine I was going to win. And so I, I get on this motor. It would have been riding it for a little while. I get on this motorcycle and I just, I just gun it. I mean, with everything I have, you know, and I'm going across this pasture and I decided last minute, you know, to get fastest, you got to go the longest. So, uh, I, I won. That's the good news. The bad news is I almost died. I almost killed myself because I slam on the brakes at the last minute, thinking I have time to stop, and I ain't stopping. I'm just, I'm still going. And that barbed wire fence was right ahead of me. And I knew in a, in a, in a, in a moment, you know how it is where you're you just, in a moment, I'm about to die. Like, I am about to die. And I was going so fast that had I ran into that fence, I would have just been decapitated. That's how fast I was going. And at the last minute, I don't know how. I don't remember doing it. My, my brother just said, Boy, Justin, it's a good thing. At the last minute, I just popped a wheelie. I just let go of the clutch, popped a wheelie, and the bike ended up running into the barbed wire fence instead of me. So, so it just, and, and I took such a hard hit. I fell off that bike, obviously. I was probably 15 feet away where I landed. And it was such a hard hit that I, I was dazed for a long time, could barely walk. I, I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever taken a hit like that, but you don't ever forget it. I promise you that. You don't ever forget it. And my brother's like, oh, man, thank God you gave it. I don't remember. I don't remember popping a wheel. I know I did. I don't remember thinking to do it. You know what I'm saying? It was just God. And in my own stupidity, God protected me. How many have ever been stupid? And in our own stupidity, God just protects us. I, I got so many of them. One, one time we're driving. You know, I just shared the story last week about we, we went caving with these teenagers and my mom twisted her ankle as we were going across this creek and stuff. That same trip, the exact same trip, 
Uh, we were in a 15-passenger van. My dad was riding shotgun with me. I was driving. And, and we, were, we were on the back roads of Missouri going out to this cave. And, and these back roads were all what we call whoopee hills. Did you, you guys call them that up here? Whoopee hills? Where you go over the hill and it takes, oh, it takes your breath away. How many know what I'm talking about? So there were multiple whoopee hills is what we called them. And dad, my dad said, hey, there's a whoopee hill. Just gun it. And so I did. We were in a church van, and I just gave it gas. We went over this whoopee hill, and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's taking their breath ray. And right when we got over that hill, the, 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 it, it, it turned very sharply. Well, you know, 15-passenger vans, they roll over like that. And I, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I saw it immediately. My dad saw it. We, we both yelled out, you know, to the teenagers, hey, hang on, hit the brakes, to this day, I don't know how we made that curve as fast as we did without, without going over the cliff. And of course, a lot of trees there. No doubt, no doubt, at least, at least a few people would have died. At least. And, and maybe far more than that. I'm telling you, it was serious. And my dad was shaking. He said, Justin, don't ever listen to me again. Like, <laughs> and if you know my dad, he's like super safe. He never does that stuff. But he did it that day. How many know that God protects us from the enemy even when we're not paying attention. I'm trying to tell you how good God is, that, that I'm not only exposing who the devil is, I'm trying to tell you who God is, that he protects us, that he watches over us. How much more would he do that when we just call upon him? Even in, even in our own stupidity, he, he protects us and, 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 and guards our lives and literally protects our lives, like has kept us from dying, everybody. I don't know about you, but in my world, there have been multiple times that I should be dead, but I'm not then it's the grace of God. How much more as a child of God, if we're living by faith and living in the spirit of God that we call upon him and say, Father, I need your help. How much more if he protects us when we're not paying attention, how much more is he going to protect us when, when, when we are paying attention, when we are living according to his word? Come on, everybody. That's good stuff. We got to do it. We got to take this thing seriously. We got to take this seriously, everybody. So I'm going to break it down into three things. I just want you to remember these three things. Just write them down and we're done. You got to expect, you got to detect, and you got to reject. You, you, you got to expect that the enemy is going to attack you because that's what he does. It's who he is. He's going to attack you. He's going to attack your family. He's going to attack you at work. He's going to attack you at home. Everybody, the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, there is a bullseye placed upon you by the devil, and he wants to take you out. But you don't have to live in fear. You don't live in fear. We live by faith in the Son of God. We live by faith in our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. Amen? But just know that it's a battleground. It's a battleground. Laugh. Have fun. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But the Bible says as we're living this life, we have to be sober. We have to be vigilant because our adversary, he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. He's looking at you and your family all the time. He wants to take you out. You don't have to live in fear, though, and I'm going to teach you about that. In fact, next week I'm going to teach you about the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. And it is powerful authority. So you got to expect that, like, like if, if you get attacked one day, don't be surprised. Everybody, the Bible says everybody around the world is, every Christian around the world is undergoing sufferings. Like, don't be surprised. Just expect it. He's going to come after you. Just expect it. But then the second thing is you got to detect it. 
Don't be naive. You, you got to detect it. You got you got to know. Hey, this is this is a spiritual thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna handle this in a spiritual way. I'm gonna handle this with my God-given authority in Christ Jesus. So yesterday, you know what I did? I, it was a great example of that. Yesterday, it was my my nephew's Elijah, his open house, and uh, we were all kind of uh, celebrating that and. At the same point, I was gone all week, so I was kind of putting the finishing touches on my sermon in my office yesterday, and my mom comes in for a few minutes, and, and I could see there's something in her eye, something wrong with her eye, and I could just tell that she was kind of down and out, and I said, Mom, what's wrong? She said, and you know my mom, oh, nothing, don't you worry about it. You got your sermon to prepare, and I just came in to tell you this and this, and, and yet I knew something was wrong, you know, I knew it wasn't right, but I was so focused on what I was doing that it didn't hit me in the moment that I should pray for my mom. And so I texted her a few hours later and said, hey, mom, I dropped the ball. I'm sorry. You were right there in my office. Obviously, something was wrong. I should have prayed for you right there. Can I just come over right now and just pray for you right now in person? And of course, you know my mom. Of course, come on over. So I did. And I went over there and I I apologized to her. I said, mom, I was just so into this. I said, obviously, I should have prayed right then. Would you forgive me? And and next time, if if I'm missing the obvious, just tell me, hey, Justin, I need you to pray for me. You know, and I will. Like, and so I prayed for her at her house last night. And you know, with, with my dad having passed away, it's up to my brother and I now to cover my mom in prayer. I really feel that. And I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. That's my mom. And so we prayed together. No, it's all fine. She's, she's going to be fine. But, but I didn't detect in the moment that, she, that it was a spiritual attack on my mother. I didn't detect it in the moment. I failed. But, but when the Lord brought it to my attention, I, I solved that. You know what I'm saying? When the Lord brought it to my attention, I dealt with it, and I did it the right way. Listen, everybody, we got to expect there's going to there's gonna be some attacks from the enemy. He's out to get you. you got to detect it when it happens. you got to know, oh, this, this is from the enemy. Now, I'm not saying look for the devil in every corner. Don't live life like that. Your, your eyes are on the author and finisher of your faith. But you have to detect. You have to know. You have to be sober and vigilant knowing, oh, that's, that's the enemy right there. And then you've got to face it. You've got to face it. In fact, the Bible says that we expect it, we detect it, and then we reject it. We reject it. We reject the attack of the enemy. The Bible says, submit yourselves to God, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we're like, okay, we just got to reject it. We just got to resist it. No, you're out of order. First, you have to submit yourselves to God. So first we submit. We make sure we stay submitted. We make sure that we're in right relationship with God. And that way, when it's time to pray, you'll be ready. You won't have to call somebody else to do your praying for you because you'll be ready. Why? Because you're living a life in submission to God. You've surrendered to his Holy Spirit. You've surrendered to the voice of the Spirit of God. And he's telling you all the time how to live this life, how to live it faithfully. And if you live God, if you live your life faithfully to, with the Lord and to the Lord, then when attacks come, you'll be ready. See, yesterday when I went to go pray for my mom, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have to say, well, okay, mom, I'm going to be over there in 10 minutes, but first I got to get some things right with God myself. No, I didn't have to do that. It was, hey, mom, can I come over right now? Why? Because I'm living by faith. I'm ready. I'm I'm, I'm not taking my relationship with Jesus casually. 
I'm in a right relationship with the Lord, and so therefore, when it's time for me to pray, I can pray. You know what I mean? That's why the, the Bible says we're, we're ready. In season, out of season, we're ready. That's how we're meant to live life. So we submit ourselves to God, and then we resist the devil, and the Bible says he can't stand it when we do that, and he will flee, and that is a promise. That is a promise that he flees when we resist him. So the power is not in you. The power is not in me. The power is Christ in us. The the power, let me say it again, the power is Christ in us. It is the Holy Spirit in us. I have no power without Jesus in me. I have no power without the Spirit of God in me. You see that, right? And you have just as much power and authority as I have because the same God who is living in me, the same Savior who is in me, the same Holy Spirit who is in me is also in you if you are a child of God. Do you receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? All right, let's stand up together because we got some, we got some things to pray. First of all, if you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, right now is the perfect time to do so. It's the perfect moment to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to submit to him. If you've been playing around with your, with your Christianity, playing around with your relationship with God, not taking it very seriously. You're more concerned about just stuff than you are about your relationship with God. Can I tell you today's the day to get that right? Today's the day to really truly submit yourself to God. And we're gonna do that first. And then we'll go to a second portion of prayer. Could you close your eyes? If there's anybody in this room that you've never given your life to Jesus and you wanna do it right now, without wasting any time at all, do you just know in your heart, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand really high. Let me see who you are. All right, I appreciate that. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? All right, praise the Lord. Is there anybody who's just playing around with your Christianity? You've not been taking it seriously, and today you realize you need to get serious with God. You have been lukewarm. You have been in the world. You've been in relationship with the world more than you've been in relationship with the Lord. And you need to get it right and submit yourselves back to God. You need to repent of that. Raise your hand really high. Let me see you. All right, a lot of people. A lot of people. I'm proud of you. So proud of you. So let's pray about that first. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world. We thank you that we know right now that our sin does not disqualify us from your grace. In fact, it is our sin that qualifies us for grace. For if we were not sinners, we would have no need for grace. We would have no need for mercy. But your word says that we are saved by grace through faith. So, Father, I thank you that we've come to our senses. We've been living in sin. We've been living in rebellion. We've come to our senses, and we come before you now, and we repent, and we say, Father, have mercy upon me. Save me, I pray. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Lord, I invite you in. And today, to the very best of my ability, to the best, the, the best way I know how, Father, I submit to you like your word tells me to do. I call upon you and I submit to you. I surrender my life and I refuse to go back. I am moving forward in you. 
So empower me, Holy Spirit, to live the life that I'm called to live in Christ Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for welcoming me back. I was the prodigal, but you accepted me. You welcomed me, and I say thank you. Thank you, Father. I love you. Now, if you're in a spiritual battle right now, and you know you're being attacked from the enemy, and you're just ready for victory in your life, we're going to call upon God today, this very morning, to do the delivering right now. If that's you, just hold up your hand really high. You just need to see victory in your life. All right, keep your hands up. Don't drop your hands. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person that's in a battle. They are, they, they are being attacked by the enemy. Father God, we know in your word that you are greater in us than he who's in the world, that we have victory through Christ Jesus, that you lead us in triumphal procession, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we don't have to be afraid. We thank you that that you are working out the miraculous in our life according to your will, according to your word, according to your power. You are doing the miraculous in our life right now. So Father, in this moment, We choose as men and women of faith to rise up out of the ashes. We will stand firm in the faith as your word declares and we submit ourselves to you, Father, and we resist the devil knowing that he flees from us, not because of our power, but because of your power, but because of your grace, because of your strength, because of your promises, because of your word, Lord. We know it to be true and we thank Thank you that victory is ours in Jesus Christ and that battle is coming to an end and we will see the miraculous because you are good to your children. You are faithful to your children. You are kind. You, you answer us when we call upon you, Father. That's your, that's your word. That's what your word says, that when we cast our cares upon you, Father, you answer us, you hear us, you rescue us, you deliver us because you care for us. And we want to say thank you, Father, for caring. Thank you for loving. Thank you for protecting. Thank you for delivering. Thank you for providing. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration, Father. We give you all of the praise, all of the glory, both now and forevermore. And we declare those things as being done in the awesome and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the strong Son of God. If you believe that this morning, let's give the Lord a hand clap praise everybody. We thank you, Lord. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.